Do it a little faster. You still got it. <laughs> it's your girl Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And we are Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. Join us as we share our unique life experiences. AKA tell all our business. And explore both the profound and the profane. Because duality, duality is, is a thing. thing. Yes, Girl. I don't know. I tried something different and got nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi. How's it going? Hi. Oh, you know. How's everything? Everything is everything. What is meant to be. And what will be, will be. Okay. What'd she say? After winter must come spring. Where the fuck is spring? I saw a meme today that was like, spring, fight back. I felt (laughs) that shit. I was like, why is it snowing? What did the groundhog say? How you doing, sis? Shanti, Shani. You know I'm maintaining. I know that's um, right. I realize I actually don't feel like talking about what I have on here. Oh. Um, what I'm going to talk about is how the Last of Us and the Murdoch files. Do you know about the Murdoch murders in South Carolina? <laughs> What? Wait, can you stick with The Last of Us first? You asked me to watch too much stuff at once. I was so excited to talk to you about it. And now you're on to the next thing. The What's Last the Murdoch files? Murdoch. I'm saying it wrong. Everybody, it's Murdoch, not Murdoch. It's murder, like murder. Murdoch. Like it's murder. M-U-R-D-A-U-G-H, Murdoch. Oh, that's somebody's name. Yes. Child, I thought you were saying murder like murder. Murder. You thought I was being urban? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought the name of the title was. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. No, Girl. what's that one? Netflix? Any, okay, we'll start with The Last of Us. I was, listen, the second to last episode I wasn't that thrilled about. Which I, one? That was the one in the mall? No. No, the second to last was the one in the, with the, the fire scene. I loved yeah. that one. You I hit- don't know why that episode didn't it it didn't really do it for me. I was like, mm. "What?" But this last episode really complicated things in a way that is so human and so beautiful and that theme of so parenthood fucking real and probable and is a real um yeah, it really it draws a line in the mud for the people that think uh-huh. our nigga Joel should have did what he did or he shouldn't have done what he done. And in both the cases, should he done what he done when he when he he took old girl or when he said what he said to her at the end? There's so many things of oh. was he right, was he wrong, right? It's that theme of parenting. The parent needs the child in order to feel whole, but also the parent's trying to protect the child. But is the parent trying to protect the child? When does a child get to make their own decisions? Oh, complicated. Deeply human. Deeply, deeply human. human problems. Also, showing the trauma and the consequence of trauma, right? Like, mm. he is moving from a really hurt place. He, she has saved him in so many ways, and he says it. Yeah. And I just cried watching that. I said, oh, my goodness. What a beautiful... What the intrigue 
<laughs> also, just the plot twist. The plot motherfucking thickens. What, oh. what plot twist did you see here? The, the, very the fact end. that she, at the very end, when she, when you know, it's when like the said, consequence said, of that is going to be. We're going to see the consequence. That is like in a Game of Thrones when that when the window scene. It's like oh, the ripple effect of what happens. Can I outside you, of the the tower? Did you watch the directors talk about it? Yes. The yeah, they really crying. brought it home. Yeah, and and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Did you know it. that the mother? Oh, you did know because you watched it. I love that they chose. I love the, that actress. What was I love she her she too. Was in, she was what in What's a Face. Oh man, I told Black the other day. Eighties, nineties, yeah, just she, like that's what, our what generation. Was the show that she was on. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, keep going. Cute. I'll find it. She was also really cute. Um, but before that, I was braiding Joe's hair, and I put on Netflix. My mom and my sister love like murdered mysteries and intrigue, so they were talking about the murder. You have to. T- have to watch the murder. So this is a story about a family in South Carolina who were, oh, I'm going to fuck up the word. They were the mm, growing pains, but go ahead. District attorney. What's a district attorney? Mm. I, I forgot this role that they placed, it, but basically they were the ones that made all the decisions around um, trials. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that said the final thing around whether, a, you know, somebody that uh, going to get the death penny, weren't going to get the death penny. District penalty attorney. or penny? <laughs> what are penalty? you saying? I'm penalty. Penalty. Okay. I have a speech impediment. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't laughing. Not a district attorney. I feel like editing this so I can oh, go God. in. What is a district? What is you that acting like me when position? I get nervous when I'm reading? What is something? that position? Ah, just know it's a it's a high <laughs> legal position, and they had DEA basics. But yes, yes, okay, similar to that. Yes, basically they had the courts on lock for at least a century. So. The granddaddy passed it on to his son who passed it on to their present day son who was going to pass it on to his sons. Mm -hmm. But the intrigue and the abuse of power that these people wielded against their community and each other is just jaw dropping. So they talk about how this lawyer, the the Murdaws is the name of the family. And the most recent father um, of this dynasty, if you will, he had two sons. And to protect himself, he killed one of his sons and his wife, Antoinette. Is this a true story? This is you... a true story. It's recent. What is this I don't on? know if you saw it in the news, but uh, it. I when it was developing, I remember seeing it on the news. He's redhead. The son, oh, are you blonde. talking about the guy that just got sentenced? He just to got life? he just got oh, sentenced he killed his... to five times, five life sentences for killing his wife and, and his, his son. son. Okay, yes, because he was hiding and nervous about all of his wrongdoing that he'd done on the community for years, and so connected to this family are at least five 
four murders in that community connected to them that gone unsolved. But when you go and trace back, you dot the lines, it always goes back to this family. But because they run the law, because they have influence over the police and lawyers, they always got away until basically he destroyed himself. And what he was doing, I was, the, the thing that I kept thinking, because they, they were sharing all of these um, abuses that he had against poor white people. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking to myself, now, if they talking about these poor white people catching hell, I can imagine the hell that they wreaked on poor black people for, for a century that Child. we don't even have any idea about. And then they revealed, he was doing a lot of... Um, insurance fraud and so they start listing some of the uh victims of his insurance fraud and he preyed on black disabled and poor people so there were black people that had some type of insurance claim for millions of dollars antonette that he stole from them a million dollars a hundred thousand dollars here ninety thousand dollars there they have no way of defending themselves and even if they did this nigga they run the law it was just what is this on netflix and hbo i watched the hbo um you need okay. to watch it it's jaw dropping and the evil like the amount i i he has no I remorse can't have you seen explain him? it I'm sorry. He has no remorse. Have you seen him in the courtroom? He's just like he. It's like this. Like they don't have souls. Like so where did his bad. soul? Where could he go? Where did he go? What know. happened to him? But it was really scary to watch, and also really, really sad for the amount of people that will really just are not going to receive any justice. And these niggas just be lying. And getting away with it these white collar crimes anyway that's what i've been sitting with and um well he's not getting away with it right now he's only getting away he's only getting away because he murdered his wife and son but oh. had he not murdered them i don't know if he would have gotten away with it who knows who knows who knows and again the thing the, all of the many all of those murders that were connected to that family those families you know are not getting the acknowledgement and the uh he's not technically in jail for those crimes that he committed or his family and his wife and his wife and sons were a mess too just evil evil ginger family oh striking gingers r.i.p to the dead though well uh on that positive note sorry <laughs> um my updates, I don't know. I think I'm I'm doing all right. We have a photo shoot this weekend. I'm heavy into premenstrual syndrome. So let's see what happens with my psychosis and my <laughs> mental state. Girl, we might be we might be bleeding together. Listen, and I'm well, I'm not I, I don't think I'll be my blood will be with me, but I do think that I will be by that time clinically insane and suffering from body dysmorphia. And not wanting to see, not not near a picture. So we're going to do oh, it. No. We're going to see how we feel while we do it. And we're going to have a great time, hopefully, or cry. But God either way, we'll be together. Inshallah. And Amanda's coming through with the come through. It's going to be a get along gang. Gang. Also, I think I am, I'm in a place 
talked about a little in the last episode where I am ready and open to just creating the life I want for myself. I've been, um, I've been talking to people in my life who are very much, my can't afford therapy co-hosts are on my behind right now about how they see the Around the Way Curls community and their value because they're coming over to Can't Afford Therapy and sending, yeah, they're sending emails and writing, writing the comments and reviews and things like that, that are very thoughtful, very well thought out and generous. And so they're like, yo, this is a really amazing thing that, that you have and you need to do something with it. And I'm like, what does that, like, everybody keeps saying that, what does that mean? And and they're like, well, you have a great network. Like, why don't you utilize your network? Like, what does that mean? And they're saying to me, you know, go to people and say, hey, there are any opportunities, hosting opportunities that you know of? Hey, I'm interested in X, Y, and Z. If you know of anything, let me know. Hey, can I pick your brain, this and that? And I'm like, that sounds good, but and it probably is what I should do, but it feels gross to me. It's like the people in my community who have a lot of influence are not in my community because they have that influence. Does that make sense? I genuinely know them, them and them love that. Yeah, the relationship's not, based, not on their based on that. Work. We don't mm-hmm. even talk about their work <clears throat> for the most part. We just mm-hmm. shoot the shit and hang. And so to then try to I don't know. I'm I'm try I I, I do, does that make sense to you to try to mm-hmm. navigate that and and kind of reap benefits from that just feels icky to me. It it doesn't feel I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out if it's because I I'm still fighting this worthiness thing or if I'm genuinely like that's not how I want to go about this. Mm-hmm. Um and so I know community is life though. So it's like, what is the balance? And I'm really struggling to find that right now. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I am, uh, what is, what is that word that I'm looking for? An opportunist. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, I don't ever want to come across as that cause I'm not. And so I'm just kind of navigating that and trying to understand how to ask for guidance or help or just I let folks know I'm asking open. Asking for guidance and like is feels like building a relationship and rapport about work with those folks feels more. May, I don't think anything's wrong with nepotism. I say it all the time. But in terms of you, you know, dipping your foot in, maybe it is a question around mentorship and guidance. Like, hey. I'm trying to extend my reach or I'm trying to really take this seriously and in terms of strategy or figuring out different opportunities, I really admire you and I see how you're flourishing and I just would always love to use you as as for mentorship. I feel like that yeah, I feel like that that's a reasonable ask. It's not like, hey, you know, I know you got this tour coming up. Can I open for you? 
yeah, or like, ooh. hey, I have these ideas. I think you'd be really, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But what you, the first thing you said feels better to me. But if anybody has any um, suggestions, feel free to give us a call. Um, I was also thinking um, different topic, but in you saying, oh, you know, you're feeling like you don't want life to come to you. You want to go after it. I feel like um, a life coach like would be really awesome for you. Yeah, girl. I think a life coach, I think it would be worth, if you think of your, and that's where the worthy part, if you think you are worth it and it may be worth your investment and you think that it's like the, the money that it would take to put in and get some clarity because it's not therapy. It's like, yo, I'm here with a strategy. I'm having these blocks. This is the space I want to be in in the next year. And there's, I'm, I've just actually got a couple recommendations from people of like, I'm seeing this life coach. She's amazing. I think that's. Yeah, let me know because everybody's a life coach these days. Everybody wants to say and charge you, you know, X amount of dollars for this much of their time. And they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Either. Well, I can give you their the, you can vet sense. them, but I can definitely send you the referrals because there's two people that I know that, that you are used? like. I don't ha- no, I didn't have a no life coach, but people that I know that are using life coaches. I just my life doesn't reflect a life coach. I just need an older black woman and you no, won't put older me black on. Don't know nothing, child. Ooh. They be like, girl, go to school, be a nurse. Cancel her, y'all. <laughs> um, all right, well, we'll figure out some life coach scenarios. But in the meantime, in between time, um, and, and listen, if you have any recommendations, please give us a call at 215-948-2780. That's 215-948-2780. Speaking of calls, we do have quite a few. Oh. Um, and quite a few came in after I did this outline, so they won't be included. But, you know, we're going to start first with this first one here. And, oh, this is some um, <laughs> constructive criticism for us. Surprise, surprise. Hey, y'all. I finished the episode. This is Nicole again. (laughs) Yeah, two separate thoughts. Sorry. This is another uh, voicemail. Sorry, Shanti. Um, But I just wanted to comment on the whole Chris Rock situation. Um, So while, yes, some of us are tired of hearing about it, I don't agree that Chris Rock should stop talking about it. He was embarrassed in front of his peers. Whether it's a week, whether it's a year, whether it's a day, it doesn't matter. He should be able to talk about it. You know, Will Smith's therapy was slapping a nigga. Chris Rock's therapy is comedy. He talks. This is how he deals with things. He was embarrassed. He needed to figure out how to deal with it. You know, we don't, I don't think it's fair to say that he shouldn't talk about it anymore because of the length of time. So I'm just going to give an example that you talk about, you know, your insecurities and how you deal with them, and you talk about it a lot. It wouldn't be fair for me to say, oh, my God, she's talking about this again. That's not fair. This is your therapy. Your therapy is to get on the podcast and talk, and you do it on a lot of podcasts, and that's okay. And I'm not tired of hearing about it. I love it because you're relatable to a lot of people, and, and I think that hearing you talk about it is good for some. There might be somebody out there that got slapped in front of a million people or in front of five people, and their way to deal with it is to 
go to the gym and punch something, you know, and I don't know. I just don't feel like um, – I just don't feel like that's fair to say that he shouldn't talk about it. Nobody stopped Will Smith when he went up on that stage. There was no security. There was nothing. He went up there, did what he did, sat down, won an award in the next five minutes, and took away from Questlove's um, award. So I just think that I think he should talk about it until he feels like he don't want to talk about it no more because it's just what it is. It's only fair. You know, It's it's to me, that's a fair one for him. So that's all I wanted to say. You know, I love y'all. Keep talking about what you're talking about. I'm not saying to stop, but we shouldn't silence people, whether we don't want to hear about it or not. It's not our business to say that, you know. And also, if you're sitting in the front row of the Chris Rock show, we know this is comedy, any comedy show. If you're sitting in the front row, oh, you're looking to get talked about. That's just what it is. And if this is what he's done his entire career, hey, man, this is that's what it is. Too bad. Okay. Bye, y'all. Did we say not to talk about it? I can't remember. Did he just stop I don't think it? we were telling him to shut up. I think we were just critiquing. My thing is I'm not I I I agree in some ways, but I think in Will Smith's freedom to smack Chris Rock comes from a place of is is a is a space for critique and and some could say came from a place of um uh, dysregulation in some way and Chris Rock responding in his freedom in anger and in derogatory you know uh, comments about Will and Jada is also a form of dysregulation yes they both have the freedom to do it but it's not <sighs> yeah I don't know if it's moving a needle forward in terms of real resolution or real like yeah, resolution. They're both processing it their way. They have the freedom. I agree. I don't think he should be silenced, but I don't think it's like people can't say anything about him the same way people can say stuff about Will Smith's outburst and outrage. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't. I. I. I don't think we were attempting to silence him. And if we were, apologies. I think just the way he talked about it, I thought was corny, and unproductive. <laughs> And I don't know if it was therapeutic at all for anybody. And I I didn't think it was funny. But that's my personal opinion. He can keep doing it. He going to. It's aired. It's on Netflix. It's, yeah. it's shit. He that got shit his money. The contractual. Anyway, thank you for that. That's a good point, though. We should not be silencing folks just because we don't agree. Um, Shanti, can you write down the time for this one? Hello, Shanti and Antoinette. This is Anika. Um, calling after listening to the should we slap Chris Rock again um, episode on Monday, March 13th, I believe today is. Called y'all a couple of times before. Calling again because I do have a little perspective on the Fox News story, um, just into the debate that you guys got into um, after talking about that story about how much of the news we watch is uh, potentially lies. Um, early in my adult life, um, I worked for a major news outlet, um, a major television network news. And um, it's been probably 20 years since I left there now, but I can provide a little perspective on that. On the one hand, yes. Yeah, 
Shanti is right that we absolutely do not hear or see everything that goes on, um, whether it's completely just not reported or it's, you know, all this information condensed into short sound bites and and package packaged stories for like for example a network news broadcast like your Fox um NBC I'm sorry NBC CBS ABC like your regular local channels but um what Antoinette is saying is absolutely correct that normally we're not or at least when I was in the news which I left probably 20 years ago but when I worked in a newsroom Normally, we're not fabricating things. Um, I definitely witnessed um, during two major global events uh, where the decision was made to either not show something or to, you know, spin it and not tell everything we know. But complete fabrication I never witnessed that, and I was definitely part of production and planning meetings and things of that nature. So things are left out for sure. Things are not told. And I would, I'm saying in the 20 years that I've been away, Fox News has become this huge juggernaut and has probably contributed to the way things are spun and the lies by omission, at least, that we are told. Keep doing your thing. We love you guys out here, and um, I'll listen out for more. Bye. Before we respond, there's someone else who has a different point of view on this. Shanti Antoinette, y'all killing me on 245. Listen, I'm going to just say this. Antoinette, I love that you keep up with politics. Shanti, I love how oblivious or how nonchalant you are in the position next to Antoinette. But I got to say, Listening to you all briefly banter about lies and this new discovery and this lawsuit brought against or the the investigation that's going on uh, with Fox News t- telling a potential ball face lie. Internet, do we not just go through COVID, girl? Come on, we know that they lied to us. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm talking back and I'm like, come on. We all just went through COVID. We know that the government and the powers that be lie to us, withhold information, create agendas, and and proceed to inject those agendas into our society. And it sounds, I could be wrong, but it sounds as though you keep cutting Shanti off because she opposes your belief or your faith that they wouldn't tell us this big of a lie intentionally. And I just say, as much as I keep up with politics, too, I put nothing past, which sounds kind of like what Shanti is leaning to, even though she can't name an example of her belief. It's still like, I don't blame you, Shanti, for not trusting the government or anything, because anything is possible. I mean, we didn't find out the true things about COVID until afterwards and half the population had already gotten the the vaccine and the other half was still watching to see if they turn into zombies. But we start finding out more information after we already started taking action because we were listening to what? Their narrative, which was wrong. So I think it could be a bold face lie, Antoinette, and I don't think that's far-fetched. And it sounds like it would make you lose all your faith in democracy, democracy, but honey, 
my faith is already lost in it. And I keep up. So I'm not as far jaded as Shanti, but I keep up. But I don't put anything past our government at all. So have a wonderful day. Love you. Bye. I'll let you go first. Well, I think that the topic which we were discussing was about the news, Fox News fabricating lies that and defaming Dominion through their storylines and narratives, as well as them leaking their their credibility being weakened by these leaks of the newscasters that supposedly support tr- support Trump, you know, talking shit about about him and basically being like, we well, don't even fuck with him. So their whole position is weakened, and they seem like they, you know, um, do not have any credibility. I think that was the heart of the discussion and not necessarily about the government lying. So the conversation was around news. My stance, and it still is my stance, is that this is not a new thing. Maybe this, maybe the um, the transparency of this, the the feels new and it's like oh my god this is like groundbreaking but my theory is that both sides and again this is the theory of polarized politics the democrats and the republicans the right and the left npr would never do this cnn nbc would never do this my idea is no that's not necessarily true i think that we're, they're being fed, we're being fed things. Yes, they may be citing, um, they may be having sources, citing sources, but there's oftentimes those sources aren't credible either. And they are, there, there are agendas or there are th- ways in which people want to be influenced and can be influenced via the news to be swayed politically, to either, you know, be swayed towards the left or be swayed towards the right. And I just think that that's a common practice. Maybe this is the first time that we've been this kind of, um, again, transparency and this kind of obvious disconnect and lies are being shown to the public. And And it's, you know, Fox News, which is like yucky to a lot of people. But no, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised by it by any. I think my point was lost on everybody. I think I have never. So to be really clear, my point was that there's never been a lawsuit like this Mm. that was so clear and so easy to prove defamation against a news source. Mm. That has, that's, that's monumental that defamation right. can be proven. Um, I never said that the government doesn't lie. Again, I wasn't talking about the government. I even never said that, I, I also, I never said that the media doesn't lie. I, I also said criticism of the media um, being biased and influenced by corporate dollars is fair. Um, what I am saying is that for the largest news network to be sued in this way, for the reasons why they're being sued is is monumental 
And I'm also saying that the, if there are no repercussions, my main point was if they're, if they're not found guilty with all of this evidence, that is going to change the news for far worse than what it already is. That's my point in this. So if we think it's bad now, we need to buckle up because without laws and standards, we just have anarchy. We have laws in place and people break them all the time. Does that mean that we shouldn't have the laws or try them in court? You know, if if we say, you know, it's a it's illegal to kill someone and then we're like, well, people are still killing them. We it it doesn't matter. They do it all the time. So who the result is it, if we have evidence that someone has point blank killed someone and we don't try that and we don't find them guilty, there's effects of that. We see that when the police are not found guilty for, for, for killing black folks, black folks within the community recognize that. And they're like, okay, this is a serious societal issue. This is a social construct, right? Now, if that guy Murdoch killed them, killed his his wife and his kid and wasn't found guilty and it was clear the evidence stacks up against him, what's to say other people are not going to follow suit and that it'll become more of the norm? That's my point when it comes to the news. In addition, like I get the whole, like I think the news and the government, like you said, was conflated. You brought up the the war on terror as an example and like Colin Powell definitely lied under oath. We know that we went to war. But when it was discovered that he lied, news outlets reported on the said lie. They didn't continue to push. Oh, there were weapons of mass destruction. Colin Powell never lied. That's the point of the news. The news is supposed to be a way of, of checks and balances. I know that they don't always do it. I know that there's spin. I have an entire portion of our program dedicated to politics as usual where I call out <laughs> how fucked up a lot of this system actually is. So no, I, I disagree with, with this lovely caller who's saying that this will uh, make me lose faith in democracy because I'm already very clear that democracy is wildly flawed. I, again, point that out on many episodes. It doesn't mean that I don't recognize that like my lights, my water, all of this shit still, my light switches, my lights turn on when I hit the light switch. My water runs when I turn on the spigot. Like part of that is because of the system that we have in place. While it's deeply flawed, we as Americans talk like we know what it is to live in a completely non-democratic system. And we don't, we don't, we don't know what that is to just live in utter chaos. We know what it is to live in a very broken system and we deal with it every day. But I am in no way thinking that democracy works as it is intended, especially within this country. I'm in no way thinking that the media does not have an agenda. Of course, what I'm saying is if we don't have standards, if we don't, if we disregard the law, then we have no basis to fight against this shit. That's why it's monumental. Yeah, like, that's, that's a whole other conversation because I, I, that, I, that I don't You have understand. rules in your house for Joe, right? I don't understand. I'm trying that's to explain not- it. You have rules in your house for Joe, right? She probably breaks the rules. It doesn't mean you don't still have rules that she has to abide by. 
Right. So the the same way if Fox News is not told you have to abide by these rules when the evidence is so clear that they broke the law, then they no one has to do anything. Defamation is hard to prove. So they may find a way to to get out of that. That's different than like somebody and we went somebody and we see him. Right. But we went over last week how much evidence is stacked up against them still. It could be a chance that they get away. And and just like you said, there's a lot of things at risk there. I don't know if this case is can support this idea of people's faith in the government and democracy being eroded. And I don't think that it's the the case of like, oh, the case that, you know, people losing faith in democracy or the idea that people have things in in which they feel like they can't trust the government, they can't trust the news. And then to say like, oh, but if you didn't have running water, it feels like you're in a, it feels like a a mother, a child relationship where you're dependent on your mother. That's all you know. The culture that she's raised you in is all you know, but she's abusive, right? And as you get older and you realize like, yo, this pattern that we are in, something isn't right. Something's got to change. And then she says, it feels defensive and dismissive to be like, oh, but you wouldn't be here that's if not you what depended I said. on me. That's, that's not what well, that's I said, what it sounds like I'm telling you that's me. not what I said, though. What I'm saying is I'm just saying that there are checks and balances in place so but that some are of they? That's my thing. For yes. Real? Yes. For, because for regular listen, Joe Schmo people, the government, probably, listen, but the government for, doesn't work. But there are people who live in in housing that the government helps them help support them. This is and yes. the government oh, like there are course. certain things that, that work do function. That, and absolutely. this is not about the government. I'm absolutely. literally saying that the the shit is flawed. I swear to God, I know that. I swear I know that. What I'm saying is I'm I'm a I'm not conflating the government with the with this news thing. I'm addressing the pers- the young lady who called and said this is a reflection on how I would view democracy. That's why I even brought that up. I'm clear that democracy is is seriously flawed in this country. I'm so clear about it. I'm also really clear that it's it's not non-existent. There there are some systems with some checks and balances. If there weren't, then it would be complete and utter anarchy. And we don't as Americans, there is a privilege here that we don't we don't have to deal with certain shit the other countries have to deal with. That's just a reality. It does not mean that we don't have so much fucking work to do that we're not completely, um, that we're not completely, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? Victims of a system that is stacked against us. I I talk about it all the time. I completely get it. I'm not trying to be dismissive of that at all. What I'm saying is I don't have this, I, I don't have this romanticized relationship with American democracy. I promise you I don't. Mm. That's what I'm saying. I recognize that I have privilege here due to that system, as fucked up as it is. Mom is keeping the fucking lights on, but that don't mean she's fucking right. That's that's my viewpoint on this system. It's like, no, we need to keep hold mom accountable. I'm, n- I'm never trying to dismiss that. And well, I, it, I get frustrated because I'm oh. not explaining it well. 
obviously because it's coming across as dismissive you are but like you are. that's no, you're, truly that's clear. how I you're feel. clear i guess my thing is the the fear of this system crumbling mm-hmm. and if the risk of what we know and the infrastructure of what we know has to crumble in order for something else to be rebuilt and the idea that anarchy is this the the, the loss of this stru- this structure is complete chaos is not is giving a disservice to anarchy theories period first of all and is not the only alternative and possibility that we have if this democracy is going to crumble like why this shit is going to crumble anyway because it's not sustainable it's self-destructive and it's it's violent with the lights on you can have the lights on and the and the fucking house is falling off crumbling down on fire but the lights work, the, the faucet comes on. But this is another conversation. Yeah, it, it is. I think it's that a whole other conversation. But I the, I, we just we just talked about anarchy. I just want to say this. The idea the, like. I think it's propaganda that people talk about anarchy as this like people with masks and it's nothing's, you know, it's just complete chaos and it's there's no order. I feel like. Anarchist theory in religion in socially and politically is the idea that we can govern ourselves the idea of a state is not needed and is inherently oppressive and that we don't need it and it's, that's not we, we an, can that's govern not ourselves. anarchy that i'm referring to i'm referring oh, okay. to anarchy as the definition of it which is the state of disorder due to the absence or non-recognition of authority I'm not saying that we have to have the authorities in place. I'm literally using the word as it's, as it's defined. I'm not talking about anarchist theory, but I hope I made myself more clear, (laughs) hopefully. But in the meantime, in between time, let's take a break. Thank you for these calls. Shanti, I always think these are good conversations between us because we do just have, I don't think our viewpoints are that different. I really don't, but I, I think do. That- I really just don't have any faith in democracy. I, I mean, I can, and I think you're like, but that's the thing. That's a privileged place to say, and perhaps, perhaps it is. But I really think that this is beyond a space of of um, of reconciling shit. If we continue with our democracy and money being so deeply connected i don't until that shit is separated i think we are it's not sustainable no matter how I don't, long we try i don't so disagree all i'm feel, all i'm saying is that none of us know what it is to live in spaces that have no no that literally where this shit is non-existent where these rights that we have are non-existent mm-hmm. we yeah. we we don't know and I do think that is a bit of American privilege um, because we don't know. We don't have any way to, we don't have a, a way to really compare and put ourselves in those shoes. As awful as this country is to black and brown folks, I, I look at other places and I'm like, fuck, we have no clue. And it's, uh, yeah. 
I, again, I still think I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't think it's sustainable the way we're going. Anyway, let's take a break after this, after these messages, you're going to sing for us, but we do have a very special guest, Dar, a friend of mine who is going to join us and talk to us. This is what you've all requested. Now he's going to talk to us about polyamory, ethical polyamory, non-ethical polyamory, Mm. keeping each other sexually safe. Are there partners that we favor? Are there partners that we nest with? I don't know. We'll find out. Chanti? After these messages, we'll be right back. Boop. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. And we are back. And as promised, we are joined by a very fancy guest who I'm very excited. Now this, y'all have asked for this. Y'all keep calling in like, I think that you should talk about polyamory. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But we are not experts. We don't know what we're talking about, really. We're curious. We are... Um, well, I think one of us was open, a little bit open to it. I don't know if that person is still, but we'll find out. Um, but we are joined by a friend of mine, Dar. Dar is first and foremost, a very worthy human being. (laughs) Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's someone whose very existence confronts the bounds of normalcy and respectability. Um, but he is also more formally a Jamaican-born actor, equity and relational strategist, DEI thought leader, speaker, and creative director and founder of Bonanones. And hello, friend. How are hello, you? Hello, friend. Welcome, oh, wow. welcome. Thank you for having me here. That was lovely. Was that it? was I very get, beautiful. I usually don't intro people because I like for them to tell us who they are. Uh, and I should ask, what are your pronouns? He, him. He, him. All right. Shout out. Shout out. (laughs) You said that. (laughs) Let's get into it. So I'm very grateful that you're joining us. Um, Folks, a while back, I talked about going to polyamorous game night, and I gave the folks a little bit of information about it, but I'd love for you to tell us what that is, um, what need it fills, and why you founded it yeah so uh first of all just you know really happy to be here also yeah i 
adore you. Um, and Shanti, it's really good to meet you nice to as meet well. You. So, Buna Nanasio, it's been a, a journey. Like, it started off as something else entirely. Um, I was living in Mexico City at the time with uh, a really good friend and roommate. And while there, we were hosting people in our home, uh, throwing uh, sort of like impromptu game nights, hosting dinners, brunches, and it was really special. We were doing this a lot for other Black immigrants like ourselves who had left the United States, London, Canada, all over and had gone to Mexico, uh, kind of finding a new type of freedom, uh, building community. And it was really special. It was really beautiful. Uh, left Mexico in 2021, 2022, really, um, and wanted to continue bringing that energy, wanted to host trips. We, I had taken a group of folks to Oaxaca during Dia de los Muertos, and that was kind of like the first time that we took this energy to a different part of Mexico where it was really sexy, it was really fun, uh, it was a lot of uh, cultural immersion, it was also a lot of play, um, both in the sort of like sexy sense and also just the, the liberatory sense of just having fun. Um, and so at the time, it was... Uh, it was existing under a different name, um, but then once coming to the States and wanting to, to do something a little bit more formal with, an, with another friend of mine who's based out in LA, um, we, or I made the decision that it was going to be something else uh, to kind of separate it from what my friend had uh, claimed uh, she was doing in, in Mexico and the name that she wanted to, to kind of own. And Bonanonas came out of it for me thinking about, you know, what does this group need to represent? What is it that I care about? I care very much about play, I care very much about liberation, I care very much about community. Um, and the name itself is just really, it's really fun. Bonanonas is, is a, it's patois for like a special friend or, or, a, or a really, really good thing. And it's just, it's fun to say. It just feels good on the, on the lips. Um, and I like that it feels almost extra, uh, because I think that oftentimes like, Folks who think about uh, polyamory or think about the abundance, it, it is it is extra, and that's mm. a good thing. So that's what the name came from, or that's how it came to be. And then game night is kind of an ex is just one of the ways that we bring this community together. Uh, game night is a place to literally play, be that Uno, be that whatever, but it's also a time to to feel kind of sexy. There's also like sexy games. There's sexy uh, like strip Jenga. Um, there are also much more uh, sexy games that we didn't get into the night that I was you about came. Can you tell us about that now, Antoinette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't we didn't get into all that, but I think that's one of the things of like a lot of play parties will uh will have events that are centered around some form of a game night where again it's like helping people to understand or kind of liberate the sense of a feeling like sex is just like a uh either exclusively a transactional act or it is just something that is like um it's like a very serious thing mm -hmm. um I, for you i hope that like even though I know you were feeling kind of salty about some of the ways that the the games were going, like they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> My competitive spirit Your came competitive out. I won spirit? that one game though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, yeah. do you really think I did it? The no, last no, you, one? No, oh no, no, you won that. You won oh, that. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. Say, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the other ones were you. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the the music ones. Yes, yes that exactly. Was 
So it's like there's a lot of this competitive spirit, but really it's just like I think what's beautiful about how game nights are oftentimes uh, part of like play spaces and play communities is because, again, sex can be play. Sex can be uh, can be pleasurable. It should be pleasurable, first of all, um, and it should be fun. You should be able to laugh with people that you're having sex with or that you're playing with. You should be able to, uh, to smile and enjoy, and that can be with one other person. That can be with uh, a group of people. But I think that games especially kind of remind us that even as we get older, like play is still very much at the heart of some of the ways that we build intimacy with other people from when we were really young to as we get older and kind of tapping back into that especially as black people when so many of us have been adulterized like so much so much sooner in life this is kind of like a reclamation of Mm. that play aspect that is so perfect because literally tomorrow well not tomorrow we're recording this on the 15th on the 16th one of the episodes that comes out is all about where is the wander Mm. And yeah. so I've really been, re- I've been reading this this here flesh, which I all that's all I keep talking about. It's so good. It, you should get it. I'm adding it to my list yeah. right now. But um, there's a chapter on wonder, and I realize that I don't have a lot of wonder and awe that I'm practicing actively. And play is something that Shanti and I talk about a lot. And I just want to say when I was at the Bonanones game night, one, a friend of mine invited me and I didn't read it. <laughs> and I showed up and was like, oh, all right, this energy, this is energy. And, I, and so I sat next to Nana and was like, what's going on here? And she was like, did you read it? <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, word, cool. And I remember thinking, this is, these people feel really familiar. These people mm-hmm. feel really open. They feel really safe. They feel um, friendly. I didn't feel like I had to put on any airs. I wasn't nervous at all. Like, as soon as I got there, I'm yelling about, they don't know what they're talking about in, in terms of like the music game that we were playing. They kept picking Michael Jackson for everything, Shanti. It was so annoying. It's like so old school annoying. this and then they put on Michael Jackson. I'm like, do you know anybody else to play? But anyway, that's beside the point. But it Ready was a to fight. Right. It was a really beautiful space. It was a really beautiful space. And I, I do remember one person talking about how they hadn't experienced um, a certain intimacy that they wanted. And, and and it wasn't necessarily sexual, but it was just intimacy and love and care in a f- physical way. And I remember someone else saying, is that something you'd like to experience as an offering? And in, in any other space, I might have been like, oh, chill out. This is a lot. You're doing a lot. Like, of course, you that's your in. But in that space, I really felt like it was centered in, oh, you deserve that. And 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 I I want to give kudos to you because you very intentionally would remind people and literally say, you're worthy. After we would share something, Shanti, Dar would say, you're worthy and thank you. And so it was just like, it was this affirming space. And so that's why I was like, he's a worthy human being. (laughs) I wanted to (laughs) add that. Um, But polyamory, right? Let's get into it because of course it's stigmatized. (laughs) Of course, everybody has so many questions or don't have questions. They block themselves from it completely. Um, How did polyamory come into your life? And then also how do you practice it? Cause Mm. there's not a one size fit all at all. I think that's the point of polyamory to be completely honest. So yeah, if you're, if you're interested in sharing, 
What if I was just like, no? <laughs> I know, I'd be like, okay. Like, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Yeah, right? <laughs> nah, there's so many things. So for, so I want to like backtrack real fast. I just want to say... Thank you. I'm so grateful that the experience that you had is is the experience that you had as someone who one didn't read because, and it's okay because I know that niggas don't read and that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trash, trash. But it but it's okay. Like because again, I think I said it that night too. Like I we've hosted I've hosted a couple of those events already, and one of the things that I continue to remind folks either who've been there multiple times or who are there for the first time as I say this directly I'm just like yo please act like you've been here before mm. uh, this is a home and this is this is my home but it's a home that I'm opening up to you and because you are here by virtue of it it is also a place where you are welcome you've been in a home before so treat this like like your own treat this like a space where you belong because you do belong here so the fact that you were already feeling that sense of familiarity uh, yo, that's yeah. that's like that is that's the whole thing, yo. Like that that's the that's the fucking point. Is that like you should be able to drop in? I remember, I think it was your friend who was just like, yo, I thought everybody in here knew each other from way back when, and yes. it's like, nah, a lot of people met each other same. that that same night, you yeah. included, right? So that's that's really the energy that I want to continue to cultivate. And when I think about the types of communities that I either want to be a part of or the communities that I want to help foster and curate, that is the energy that I want to make sure is always at the center of that. Um, and then you mentioned friendliness. Yeah, like Bonanunas is a collective of polyamorous, friendly black hotties. That is what we are. That is the energy that we are bringing. So if you're getting friendliness, good. Like then I'm doing something right I and we're doing it. something right. We absolutely are. Um, and so polyamory. So for me, it is, is interesting. My, my journey, my experience with polyamory has been, uh, has been a long one, I'd say. Like, I would say that my first experience with it was back in like 2016, where I was, I was dating someone who I had matched with on Tinder. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time, I, knew that I wanted to be dating this person, but I also wanted to be dating other people. And so that was my first time communicating that very explicitly to another person. And they responded like, okay, we can be polyamorous. I know what the fuck that was, but I was just like, cool, like we can keep fucking and like we can fuck other people. Like, bet, that sounds amazing. Um, but we, there was a lot of ego involved and a lot of fuck shit, like from self included, where it was just like, just trying to not recognizing that there was still very much like a commitment to communication, a commitment to like this other person. I was treating it like we were just like, we were still just like fucking around. Like we were just like casually seeing each other as opposed to what it was that we, that I know that I felt, but I was not really accepting and what this other person felt. But again, egos were really starting to clash. That ended and I was kind of just like, yeah, like poly, this poly thing isn't for me. Um, started dating someone new and a month into our relationship, she's like, yo, I can't do this. And I was confused. I didn't know what she meant. And she clarified and she said this monogamy. I can't do this monogamy thing. I was like, okay. I didn't think that this is what I could. I didn't think non-monogamy was for me, but we tried it. And for the next four years, we did a quasi-open relationship where we would open and close it over the course of those four years. And I think that was a really interesting experience for me to learn about, like, how do I communicate with another person? How do I communicate my wants, my needs? How do we talk about boundaries? How do we talk? How do I talk about my desires, especially things that maybe don't uh, feel good to this other person, but I know are things that are meaningful for me or the things that make me feel good. Um, but it's only within the past, I would say year and a half that I feel like I have been doing this poly thing uh, in the way that I 
feel most secure, that I feel most ethical, that I feel uh, most grounded in. Um, because I think that a, not, a lot of niggas will like, will say that they are polyamorous, um, under the, uh, but really they're just, they're just like fucking around. And it's like, I think that's a lot of people's stories as far as like how they get to polyamory. Unfortunately, it's a lot of heartbreak. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of hurt. It's a lot of unethical behavior. Um, and then ultimately, hopefully people kind of figure out that like, yo, this is inherently ethical. This is inherently like beautiful. This is inherently, um, rooted in commitment and care and transparency and trust, uh, and all of the ingredients that Bell Hooks, uh, talks about love being. So, uh, yeah. So within the past year and a half now, I have been, yeah, really on this poly shit. But for me, I think it also has led to a, a defining of what polyamory means for me. I see polyamory very much as both a love style as well as a uh, lifestyle and uh, and like relationship status. So like I, I identify as a polyamorous person where even if I'm only dating one person or if I only have one person who is my partner, I know that I'm still polyamorous. Like my love is abundant. Like the way that I think about love is abundant. The way that I think about how I communicate and what love means to me and, and what I hope it means to other people is still very much through a polyamorous lens. Um, and there is also the polyamorous relationship status where like that's the umbrella for a lot of different terminologies that people might be in. So somebody could be a monogamous person who might be in a polyamorous relationship dynamic, but they are still very much monogamous. And so I think that that's one of the other beautiful things for me about how I think about it for myself and, and for other people or what I hope other people do to think about it for themselves um, if they're contemplating it or if they're embracing it in whatever way feels good for them. You can be monogamous. Yeah. Be participating in a polyamorous relationship at the same time? Facts. You you just have, you know you have this strict connection between another person, but you know that they are in fact seeing someone else. Yeah, because I think- still considered monogamy. Well, see, this is, and this is where I think it gets kind of interesting when I, when I talk to people or when people want to talk to me about polyamory, when they are like, I'm very monogamous. And I'm just like, okay, what does that mean for you? And oftentimes what I hear is like, someone will say like, oh, you know, I could be polyamorous or I could, you know, be out here like maybe dating other people. But the second my partner wants to do that, ain't no fucking way. And I'm just like, that's really interesting to me because it sounds like the way that you view your relationship status is not so much about what it is that you desire, but it's more so about the rules that you want to put on this other person. Um, so it's like, as a monogamous person, it's just like in a polyamorous dynamic, it's like, yeah, you can be monogamous. I know that I only want to be with one person. That is the way that I want this, my relationship to look for between me to this person. And that person could be dating other people, but that doesn't change the fact that you are dating this one person. But if you also want that other person to be monogamous with you, then that's, that's a different sort of conversation. But that's how I see how a monogamous person could be in a polyamorous dynamic and still be a monogamous person. Do you have a follow-up for that, John? Yeah, no, that, no it, it makes it makes yeah. a lot of sense. What is ethical um, behavior? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, what are the... Okay. No, go ahead. That's that what I was, was going to ask. What okay. are these... What What is the defining difference between being messy and then being ethical but uh, still having this openness? Yeah, I think, again, that's... 
that's where it feel it can sometimes feel a little bit tricky because it's like it can be a bit gray but the grayness is really just like what does it what is what are you consenting to and what are you agreeing to with the other people mm-hmm. um i think where the messiness comes in is that people are lying <laughs> people are being dishonest they're being intentionally they're obfuscating the truth intentionally right um polyamory is like again even within its different uh, flavors and whatever, it's still rooted in trust and, and, and communication. Um, you're still talking about things or agreeing that you're not, ta- you're not talking about very specific things. Mm. Um, but there still has to be some sort of consent that is affirmative by the people who are involved in this thing. It's where I joke, and I was saying this, I don't think this got added into the, the, the BET thing that I did a couple of weeks ago where we were How talking do you about find black. That? I couldn't find it. Plug oh, it, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll plug it. So BET and CBS News did a, a round table talking about black love and marriage in America. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that came up during the round table that didn't air, but might air in an in a extended cut was people saying like, yeah, like I, uh, it's like, I want to, I want to be with someone or I want to get married to someone, but if they're going to cheat on me, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, like that's, I, I feel like a lot of people find themselves in non-monogamous relationships, even if they don't know, but like, say again, she said, ciao. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, that, (laughs) (laughs) every relationship has been polyamorous. Yeah. I didn't know. No, no, no. You were monogamous. I didn't know, but everyone was, they were all, they're all non-monogamous, but this is where I think like, I, I think in, in a certain respect, there's some value in gatekeeping um, polyamory where it's like, look, yo, like this shit is rooted in ethical behavior. Mind you, there are there are a bunch of unethical niggas that are practicing polyamory. Like that's not this polyamory is not like the the savior of shit. And I think that that's mm. where a lot of like polyamorous people sometimes get on this high horse where it's just like, oh, if you're not polyamorous, you're not as like evolved or, or like all this other bullshit. It's like, no, you got very unethical niggas that are doing, that are doing polyamory as well. Also do it like not actually doing polyamory, but like claiming that it is polyamory. It's that's, that's fucking tough. But in the same way that you got niggas claiming that they're doing monogamy and are not doing it ethically, not actually doing monogamy, they are cheating on their partners or they have like other situationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like, as far as how do you do this shit ethically? Again, yo, I gotta talk to people. I gotta find out what is it that they are on board for. What are they not on board for? I subscribe to um, the acronym RBDSM when it comes to how I am engaging in certain conversations. Um, RBDSM came from uh, it's like a framework of how to talk about or how to engage with someone in a play space specifically or around like BDSM. R stands for relationship status, B stands for boundaries, D stands for desires, S stands for sexual safety, and then M stands for meaning slash aftercare. And so each one of those letters has with it a series of questions. So like R, are you in a relationship? Is there someone that would have a right to feel a type of way about us having sex or us, ha- or us dating? Uh, boundaries, what are you not okay with? What do you not want to have happen either when we're having sex or in the course of this relationship? Desires, what do you want to have happen? Like, what are you excited for? What do you want me to do to you? What do you want to do to me, with me? Sexual safety, like, when's the last time you got tested? Uh, do you know the sexual status of the other people that you're fucking? A lot of people do not. A lot of people uh, get kind of, like, nervous when they have to start talking about that shit. Um, I think that 
for a lot of polyamorous people, that shit is super normalized. And I think that's really beautiful. Where again, it is a reminder that my sexual safety is my responsibility. And I get to bring that to the, to this dynamic with another person and invite this other person to do the same. And then meaning slash aftercare. And what do you want this to mean? Do you want this to be a one night stand? Do you want this to be friends with benefits? Do you, are you looking for a partner? Are you open to partnership? What is the, the configurations of your relationships as they exist right now? And then aftercare, what do you need in order to feel cared for after we've like done the nasty or done the, you know, the, the sexy? Um, do you need to, do you need to cuddle? Do you need, do you want to talk about how that was for you? Uh, do you need me to remind you to pee? Like, what is it that you need? And let's talk about all of it. Everything is a conversation. And I think that's really the beauty of what polyamory has done for me. I've always wanted to have conversations about so many things. There is very little that I consider TMI um, because everything can and should be a conversation. So you mentioned bell hooks. I did. And so this lifestyle, these experiences that you're having, in what ways have you grown and had to recondition yourself as a black cishet? I'm, I'm assuming, I'm sorry, um, man, like what? What have you confronted that you're like, oh, shit, I was completely wrong or this is really difficult for me or you feel uncomfortable in terms of like power if that is something that you've dealt with or yeah. deal with now? I think it's it's something that the same way that we think about healing as a, one is a nonlinear journey and also a journey that's never really over. Um, I think about what polyamory and kind of like my liberation or my quest for liberation has done for me a la reading Bell Hooks, All About Love, The Will to Change, uh, even going so far as like reading like Esther Perel's like books as well. Like I have done and continue to do so much interrogating about what does it mean for me to be a man existing in patriarchy, albeit a black man existing in patriarchy and white supremacy. And what is it, what are the ways in which that I can continue to, or at least in when I first started this journey, how can I start to and then continue to betray patriarchy on the daily? Um, a good, a good brother of mine, Josh Odom, uh, healing while black. He's, he's one of, uh, a good brother who I used to do this, uh, service called Bearded Black Men Reading to You Before Bedtime. Oh. Where, yeah, where we would just yeah, read. Fuck that white lady reading to <laughs> me, bro. I have been talking about wanting to be read to. There's a white woman Answer reading Homegoing home to me right now on YouTube. <laughs> she's tearing it up she's she? talking these names up she was like yeah she? i see i said okay okay Queen, oh, my wife okay. Queen, but go ahead <laughs> yeah um so yeah so we used to do this this was something that we uh I'm, I'm bringing it up just because like that was something that i felt was really special to be doing with a bunch of brothers where we were uh we were reading to mostly black uh black femmes um but we were uh that was we would have like hundreds of people in a room. This was on Clubhouse where we were doing this for a while where uh, fans would, mostly fans would come on stage and they would ask us to read maybe the lyrics to like a Giveon song or my specialty was I would just read recipes, like literal recipes, uh, but in a deep, sultry tone and voice. Uh, and let me tell you, the way that I say whisk or <laughs> butter... Is, a charge for this shit. Yeah, oh, I, we did. And, but like at the time we it was, we, we, we just requested folks if they had love offerings, they would like provide that to us. And it was really special. But we also heard a lot of these folks who were part of these rooms tell us that this was the first time that they had heard black men telling them 
things like what we were saying to them, telling them that they were worthy, telling them that they are, that they deserve whatever love it is that they want to have. Um, and that is one of the things that for me, connected to my polyamory, but also I think just the, the types of men that I'm surrounding myself or choosing to surround myself with who also want to betray patriarchy. It was Josh who gave me the language where we were in a conversation about feminism and a question was asked, can men be feminists? And there was all of this sort of like going back and forth and pontification. And then Josh kind of jumped in. He was just like, yo, like, I don't really feel like it's it's necessary for me to identify as a, as a feminist. I don't think that's actually the point of this. Um, really what it's what's more important is for me as a man under in a patriarchal system that benefits men is how can i be a betrayer how can i betray patriarchy on the daily that is what that is what my charge can be as someone who wants to unlearn white supremacy who wants to unlearn internalized anti-blackness wants to unlearn misogyny and misogynoir i don't need to take on a label especially one that shouldn't even be uh self-administered uh administered anyways um but it's something that i can be doing these are the actions that i can be doing so for me when i think about polyamory when i think about my relationship dynamics it's the same thing i'm thinking about what are the power dynamics that exist in these um, in these situations or in the relationships that I'm in, uh, there's like check-ins that, that are involved, making sure that, that there's still equity while also acknowledging that, and sometimes in, uh, more like kink, uh, kink dynamics, the desire is for there to be a power dynamic where I'm daddy. And what does that mean for me as someone who also wants to make sure that I am, uh, still being, absolutely respectful like there's that is still that is still the, the foundation of this and i think that for a lot of people it's where you know how some people when they when they say that they want to be in a casual relationship for whatever reason respect goes out the window mm. mm-hmm. i think that with like when people think about kink or when they think about like daddy or like dom and sub or whatever they're thinking like oh like the dom must just kind of like do whatever the fuck they want to do and it's like no this shit is rooted in respect that's rooted in in agreements it's rooted in consent it's rooted in what people want um and communicating that and also having the power uh and freedom to change their mind whenever the fuck they want and that being okay Mm. can i ask you do you think then because i have so many follow-up questions but do you think that trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't seem judgmental, but I feel that there might be a lack of cis hetero men who want to betray the patriarchy, Mm. who have read a will to change, who want to read a will to change, who want to read all about love, who want to talk about it, who want to ask these questions about care, who want to have honest conversations. Do you think that because of my perceived lack as a woman who dates men, um, that there that adds to the need for polyamory. Mm. Since, I don't know. I don't know. That's if, what some people will say. I, I'll say this. Yeah. I was dealing with someone <laughs> who. Yeah. Tell me. My, give me the tea. In yeah. my younger years. Right. Who did not. I don't think used his powers for good. I mm. was in a polyamorous dynamic. Mm. With that, look at Shanti's face. She said, <laughs> um, it was not, where, "Not monogamous." Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was fuck. It, it, it was, was fuck, fuck shit. shit. It was yeah. fuck shit that he tried to. He was much by. older than me, and he was mm. doing. I mean, dancing circles around what my twenty-something-year-old brain could keep mm. up with, right? And so I found myself in this dynamic where I was being told, "Well." There aren't many people like me, so I have to care for all of these women. 
I have to, and, and you need to understand that that's what's necessary. And what I find is, I don't mean to toot my own horn now, but I've been invited in a lot of polyamorous relationships now, especially as recent. And some of them are not fuck shit. Some of them I think are completely ethical um, and they're great people. But some folks are just talking that shit, that hotep shit. They can get you caught up real quick, yeah. right? That was all Kangs. Yeah, and I, but I do, I hear women that I personally know rationalize things in this way of like, well, we're mm. at the point where we have to start sharing because mm. the, the quality is, is there's such a lack of mm. quality. Mm. That's so sad. And so it's really disappointing because again, like that makes me really, that makes me really scary. Cause I would still tell those people like, yo, stay the fuck away from polyamory. Because again, this is, this is about doing what you want. Right. You have to consent to this shit. If you are doing shit that you don't want, that's, that's scary. That's not right. hot or sexy or like, or safe for anyone. Mm. Um, <clears throat> like, please, please do not do that. Like, I've experienced like deep, deep heartbreak because of uh, people who who don't want to be polyamorous. They just want to date me. Mm-hmm. And then like that shit just completely implodes. Um, or like in my past where I was just like, you know what? I can be monogamous. I was like, no, I don't actually want to be. And now everybody is, is sad and hurt. Um, and that was like part of my journey to recognizing, yo, I get to say this is what I want and communicate that to people and the people who are for me are for me and the people who are not are not and that is okay that is very much okay and actually that should just be the way that it is so when people say it's just like oh i guess i'll just be polyamorous because the quality of whatever it's just like you're nah, beloved please please don't settle in that way um you can find exactly what it is that you want if you want a very healthy and ethical monogamous relationship then there is there is someone out there there are multiple someone's out there who would want that for you. And if you want to choose one of them, go for it. Um, but please don't just like join somebody else's thing because you're just like sad or, or tired because now you're bringing that, <clears throat> you're bringing that to somebody else's dynamic where like and all they're dishonest. doing is, sh- yeah, it's dishonest. Yeah. And that's not what any relationship should be based on. You hear that, um, y'all? You hear it? But it's true. It's true. And it's just like, and so, so going back to your point about like how many men are not, uh, choosing to read these books. Look, I love, I love, I love Auntie Belle and I read, uh, you know, her books and I love, and she also has like some controversial like ways of writing and controversial opinions. What I tell people is to take the good and leave the pieces that maybe are not quite as relevant or salient right now. Um, but so much of it, I think is so much of it at least provokes us to think differently about the way that we show up in relationships. But I think that for a lot of us men, um, we exist in a system that like that quote unquote rewards us for subscribing to, to patriarchy. But for black men, we think that we are going to get liberation by trying to be white. Um, an old friend of mine, Raven Rodriguez, like she would say this all the time. She's like, niggas don't want to be free. They want to be white. And that is so fucking problematic. It is so problematic because that's what we see time and time again, where it's just like niggas are, are fighting for the scraps and crumbs to be oppressors as opposed to just actually being free. That's what I feel about Chris Rock, but that's a whole other story. Oh, talk, yo, talk about it. That's a talk whole other about story. it. Yeah, that nigga wants to like make white people laugh at the expense of like black people. It's just like my man's, yo, like that doesn't that doesn't look like liberation to me. That's not the type of liberation that I seek. Um and that's the type of liberation that I see a lot of my brothers seeking 
out. And that's just weird to me because that shit has never been our, our liberation. Yeah. And I would also say that this is where as a, as a community, we also got to hold ourselves, got to hold each one of us accountable. Because I also think that for a lot of men who may want to explore tenderness and vulnerability uh, through bell hooks or other avenues, we do not always find ourselves uh, affirmed if we are dating women by the women in our lives who we want to be tender and vulnerable with, because it is not just men that can be agents of patriarchy, as bell hooks also talks about. Girl, listen, not girl. I'm looking at Shanti. I'm used to saying girl on here. But child, (laughs) we talk about that quite a bit as well, how much women uphold the patriarchy. Um, Shanti, I want to let you ask, I want to let you in. I I do want to ask, though, for our listeners, Dar, what does a two weeks of your polyamorous lifestyle look like? You know, like, how, how does it work? Do you go on multiple dates? Do they know each other? Um, do do you ever um, intermingle together? How do you keep each other sexually safe? Because I think there's a safety in monogamy that I find or that I think Girl. I find. <laughs> you heard me. I think I find because child, it's gotten tricky. Um, but in my mind, if it's practiced ethically, then there's a certain safety there that I I find myself being more comfortable in. But yeah. I think people are really interested in the lifestyle, what it looks like. Like what what is great question. Instead of a day of, let's give two weeks, because child, a day Yeah. I don't know how you roll, but yeah. <laughs> what's what what is it? How do you operate? How yeah, do, that's do a you fun. have a primary partner, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I'll I'll try to answer this in a few ways. So I I would also just disclaimer to you and your listeners, I should not be used as the the standard by like how most polyamorous people live their lives. Like I um I be I be outside. Like I, that's just, that's just like that's who I am. Um, and I'm just I'm a I'm a communal ass tender ass nigga. So like I am just like I'm very mixy as well like in the sense that it's like I love to be around my friends I love to be in community so take that with a grain of salt but it's also I don't know in my in my I see it as kind of boring or just really like normal like so a uh, two weeks in the life of me uh can look like you know on most days it's kind of just like checking in with uh I have I have someone who is a, is my partner um she's the only person who I consider my partner right now um but there, and then I'm dating other people at different depths of intimacy. Um, so it's like checking in, right? Like good mornings. Uh, I think that's one of the best parts about polyamory is like multiple good morning texts, multiple like, hey, how are you doing? Beautiful. Like, like multiple affirmations. Um, and then uh, maybe it's uh, seeing uh, my partner uh, for, for dinner or truly just, just hanging out like on the couch or maybe she'll paint my nails uh, or something, or like untwit, like take out these twists for me um, on another night, uh, and then in the morning we'll go to the gym together. Going to the gym is very much a, a love ritual for me and people who I'm dating. Uh, I love being in movement. Uh, it's something that I really enjoy that we get to do together. It's something that I love doing with lovers and comrades alike. Um, so going to the gym, both for myself, both with friends, both with lovers and my partner. Um, I. I'm dating someone right now where every Thursday we go to the gym together. That's, that's been something that's been really special.
special. Uh, we might have a date night. It was her birthday last week. And so I was there meeting some of her friends, one of her friends who is also polyamorous, um, but lives like in between LA and Berlin because she has partners in both, or they have partners in both places. Um, it's maybe going to a play party on a Saturday night uh, or just going and hanging out with my friends and going out and that's and that being uh, a thing. Um, maybe going on a date with someone new um, or maybe it's a second date with someone who I'm still getting to know. Uh, but for me, I, I also don't want to get to a place where I'm feeling polysaturated Polysaturated just means like I have too many dynamics that I can really, uh, you know, care for um, in a way that feels intentional. Um, so I feel really good about like where I'm at right now, like between having people who are in close proximity physically to me here in New York, uh, having comet lovers who live in LA who I check in with every so often, uh, one of whom is coming to, to visit New York next week. And that's going to be the first time that we're seeing each other in like, Actually, the first time that we're seeing each other in person ever, but we oh, wow. have like, yeah, but we've talked, um, yeah, for the past like two years, FaceTime, et cetera, all the things that just developed like such deep intimacy. Um, another comet lover who I met for the first time when I was in Mexico, like two years ago, like it's, I think like for me, what polyamory or at least at this level. Okay. She said, uh-uh, it's 846 now. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, we'll wrap it up in a bit. Hold on, Milo, come here. I'm dog sitting. This is actually pretty funny. So this is also what polyamory looks like. I'm dog sitting right now for um, my partner's former nesting partner. Uh, so this is Milo. Uh, what is a nesting partner? Nesting partner is someone, a partner who you live with or who like a lot of your worlds are kind of interconnected. So they used to live together. Um, he and I are our friends. He's a part of uh, my Bonanonis community. And he was going out of town. He's out of town right now. And he asked me if I could dox it for him. So, yeah, this is Milo. Uh <laughs> All right. So you just said you're, you're dog sitting for your partner's former nesting partner. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about jealousy. Mm, get into it. All right. Because immediately I got tight because my ego is ridiculous now. Ooh. Ooh. So jealousy is a thing in polyamory. No? Yeah. Yes? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's a thing in humans. Yeah, period. Is correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is in the that within polyamory, you actually talk about it, you address it. Yeah, or at least you sh you, you should be able to. You should feel okay. safe doing that. Yeah. And so, how do you manage it? Uh, the way that I try to talk about it with my partner, I'll just say partners, like for for all intents and purposes, right now, is uh, I try to be clear on what it is that I'm feeling first and foremost before I just try to dump my jealousy uh, on another person. I think what happens a lot of the time when people talk about jealousy or from a place of jealousy is that it is easy to inadvertently make someone else feel like they have done something wrong when really it's something that I am feeling and that I need to deal with and I need to understand what's happening for me. Um, so I try to do that as much as possible first and then come to this other person with, yo, 
this thing that you did or this thing that happened made me feel this type of way. It didn't feel good. I recognize that this is where this, this shit is coming from. And I'm wondering if we can acknowledge it, one, so that I don't feel crazy, and two, like what it is that we can do about it. This is maybe what I feel like would make me feel special um, in another way or to help me sort of like deal with this. Is this something that you're on board with um, or not? Right. It's again, we're, we're having new agreement conversations. And it's also possible that my partner could say like, yeah, look, you know, like I'm, that is not the labor that I want to do. And then that would lead us in a completely different direction. Um, I think that would be really shitty if a partner was just like, yeah, I'm just not going to do like labor to, to like around like this thing that I did that made you feel this type of way. Um, but I think at the very least, if, if I'm in partnership with someone, I'm wanting to, try to get to a place of understanding and hopefully they'll also understand me so that we can be on a similar page about what it is that's happening and what it is that's going to happen going forward. Mm. Dope. Yeah. But like, but hold on, tell me like what, like what, when you say like your ego or your jealousy thing, like what, what do you mean by that? What's like flare? Oh, I'm like, anxious attachment. So I mm, got work to do. Honey. Mm, <laughs> I'm fucked yeah, up. I'm throwing out the words. What does anxious attachment? <laughs> you mean? took the attachment quiz. I know, you, but child? for people that don't know what that means, what does that mean? I, for I, yeah. I, we're not talking about me. <laughs> I am someone who, well, at least I've been out of practice. I hope I'm not still anxious attachment. I'll say that. I took the quiz years ago, mm. and I still have it on my damn desktop. The results, Ooh. but basically. I, attachment theory. I'm opening it up right. That's a shame. It's right here from ages. But um, ang- yeah, I want to read that because I'll fuck it up. Because anyway, I can't find it and I'm getting anxiety. Anxious attachment <laughs> is basically where I am. I'm scared of abandonment. And so I cling. I get anxious if I feel my partner moving away from me. And I'm like, OK, what can I do? How can I show up? How can I prove to them that I'm it, I'm it, I'm it. And then they're like, most times I'm with someone who is, what is the word for that? Avoidant. Avoidant. And they're like, yo, you got to chill. I need to, like, I I don't want to deal with this. This is a bit much. I need space. And the more space they need, the more I cling, the more I cling, the more they move away. And this this vicious um, cycle. That's usually where I find myself. But I, listen, I've been out of practice. I'm hoping that the work that I've done will make me a, a little less anxious and a little more in like less clinically insane. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Shanti, do you have any other questions? I know. Uh, I guess I just have, uh, thank you for sharing everything. I think what I love the most is the idea of abundance mm. and the idea that, there's a lot to go around and nothing's being lost. I also, the idea of hierarchy, you didn't talk about it here. And I don't know if this is part of your theory, but the idea of that one relationship doesn't necessarily take precedent or is more important or more sacred than another relationship. And I like that idea. Um, I struggle in a lot of ways because I have a daughter. Mm. I have a 12 year old daughter. So this idea, it, like I was like, yo, if I didn't have a kid, I'd be out here just tasting the rainbow, dipping and dabbling. But I feel um, 
I feel there's a level of commitment that I desire deeply um, that I understand only through like a traditional monogamous relationship, very much conditioned by what I think a male's role is. So, you know, it would, it would, it's just interesting to see how other folks are living and what's possible and mm. how we limit ourselves in a lot of ways by these ideas that we cling to often founded on this idea that there isn't enough and you're not going to be taken care of and mm. you know, you're going to fuck somebody up or um, yeah. So this, this is, it's it's music to my ears and also just makes me uh, feel all of the things in a lot of ways. But thank yeah. you for sharing. Yeah, you're worthy. I think what what <laughs> comes up. I love it. Yeah, girl, you're worthy. Stop tripping. <laughs> <laughs> love yourself. It's true. Because it's like, I, I think about that word, right? Like, you know, commitment and how oftentimes it, I, I feel like it only gets talked about through the lens of monogamy, where it's like, for me, I hope that, uh, if and when I have kids that, uh, that they will, uh, be, that there will be multiple someones who are deeply committed to, to that human being. Um, and so like, I, when I say like, you're worthy, you are one and two, it's just like, yeah, if you want to be tasting the rainbow and have like multiple, uh, colors of that rainbow also deeply committed to your daughter, I, I, I think you are worthy of having that. Um, I think you are worthy of having multiple people where it's just like, yo, look, maybe mama can't make it to, I don't know if she plays sports, but mama can't make it to her sports, but your, your two partners can, um, for three like, or four partners, three or four partners. Can. Just, uh, <laughs> hello, hello, five, six, seven. How many colors are in the rainbow? Uh, no, nah, don't joke. <laughs> don't joke. Look, you got a whole, you got a whole nother team, like in the cheer section, yo. <laughs> Craig Look, I, I fucking love that. Like if my, <laughs> if my, if my polycule came out to support like me and, or like the, like this human being that we're raising, that sounds fucking incredible. And also it's not that far off from the way that a lot of us, especially as black people were raised when like our aunties and our uncles and our cousins or whomever came out to support us. So many of those people are chosen family. And yet for some reason, you know, like polyamory seems like such a weird concept. And it's just like, well, in a lot of ways, like, his when chosen family remarried as well you've got stepmom you've got stepdad you've got the, there's a lot of different av- I, listen bell hooks wrote shots you need to read communion the female search for love and bell mm. hooks talks about how women should explore circles of love um which are intimate relationships that allow sexual intercourse between more than one partner and also we didn't touch on it but polyamory is not also limited to, it's not defined by sex either. Not at all. There's a there's more folks than I'm realizing who are in po- practicing polyamory um, and they're not having sex with every partner whatsoever. They're just truly in love and they have, in, they share intimacy. They help each other out financially. There's um, a responsibility that they have to, for one another, which is also really beautiful. Yeah. So, and so on, on that note of like hierarchy, I do not do hierarchy in my relationships. Like my mm-hmm. partner is not my primary partner. I'm not her primary partner. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it also doesn't feel good to say like, oh, that person's my secondary or my tertiary. Um, or I'm just like a secondary. That doesn't, that doesn't feel 
like great to me. I also identify as a relationship anarchist. So like what, what that means is that I see all of my relationships as like inherently like equal. Like I, I really reject and rebuke a lot of like what we see in culture around like, Oh, once you have a partner, like all of your other relationships don't fucking matter or you can treat them like trash. Um, that doesn't feel good. I also don't love the idea of where it's like seeing every other person. This is a, this is a, as a threat to like the relationship yeah. i feel like that's more so in like toxic monogamy culture but again it's just like yeah like that's that's not what this is like it is safe to flirt over here it is safe to like flirt with my partner if you want to do that and if they're open to that they are a whole ass human being but also just like recognize like if you can't hang you can't bang so it's like if you are not like if you're not also like healing on a path of healing, if you don't understand like how to have conversations around your emotions, your, uh, around sexual safety, around jealousy and shit like that, you're probably going to have a really bad time. Um, in which case it's just like, yo, like all love to you, but like we are not compatible in a romantic way. And that's okay. We can be friends. Like the depth of our intimacy can just be platonic. That's beautiful. I love my platonic friends deeply, 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 deeply. Um, and I think so many other people should do the same where it's like I told I told a um, a former lover recently where I was just like, yo, like the most devastating thing for me would be if like, you know, you want you want to have a husband. I hope that you find that husband that you can get married to and have kids. And I just hope that like me and your husband can also be cool. I hope that like we like we can be friends. Um, the, the people who I'm dating, they all know each other. Uh, some of them are closer than others. And I tell folks, it's just like, yo, like. My community, like you are now part of my community. My community is very important to me. I hope that you find one or two people that you really, really fuck with. You don't have to fuck with everybody, but like find one or two people. It's just going to make it more fun. You know what I'm saying? Um, and if that's the case, amazing. Uh, because I care about my community so deeply and you being a part of it means something to me. Um, so welcome. Mm, and on that note, Dar. Where can folks find you? Where can how can folks be a part of Bananas? I know yeah. there's membership. Um, give the people plug yourself, please, so people yes. can keep in touch. Yeah. So right now you can follow me on Instagram at Dila Beach. You can also follow Bonanunas at Bonanunas underscore co uh, for collective. Uh, if you are a polyamorous friendly black hottie and you want to be a part of this. Uh, this collective and the love and abundance that we have, you can apply for membership. We tell everyone that you should be referred by an existing member and you should attend like one or two events, um, probably before you, before you apply because this, this is very much an intentional community that we are, that we are curating. I'm absolutely gatekeeping this community because I want people to believe that this is a place for them. They want them to know it inherently. So come and meet some niggas and find out if you actually rock with us before you just try to like subscribe to a thing. Do you like the people that are in this community? What do you want to give to this community? What do you want to gain from this community? Have some clarity on that. And then if that, if this feels right for you, beloved, we would love to have you. Can you spell it? Uh, yeah, Bonononos, B-O-O-N-O-O-N-O-O-N-O-O-S. Uh, and it will be linked in the description, everybody. Make sure that we link that so that you're not trying to trying to write that down really, really quickly. Dar, do you have like three more minutes for rapid fire questions? Oh, ah. yeah. Let's do it. Milo, can we do that? Milo, you good? I love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, we're good. 
I have them pulled up, Queen. Can can you give us the spiel on on the on the rapid fire question rules? So you have we're gonna give you two options. You can only choose one of the two options. You have three seconds to answer with no time to ask us questions or to defend or it's just you answer the question and we keep it and pushing. you kind of have to answer them all, but you can also say. Uh, I hate when you it? give people that out. I decline. I'm not going to take it. Consent, it. internet. Consent. I love okay? it. It's fine. I know. <laughs> if, I, right. if, I, if, I, if I really don't want to answer something, you will know. But let's, let, okay. let's do it. Pass. That's the word. Malcolm or Martin? Malcolm. Generational wealth or familial happiness? Familial happiness. Jay or Nas? Nas. Whoa. Mac or Sephora? Sephora? <laughs> Palestine or Israel? Palestine. In the light or in the dark? In the dark. Prince or Michael? Mm, Prince. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Trader Joe's. Voodoo or brown sugar? Brown sugar. Mm, family or career? Family. A seat at the table or lemonade? Pass. <laughs> Evolution <laughs> or creationism? What was it? Evolution or creationism? Oh, evolution. Nikki or Cardi? Actually, I take that back. Creationism. Okay. Um, Nikki or Cardi? Uh, Cardi. Jalof or rice and peas? Ah, uh, rice and peas. Missionary or doggy style? <sighs> Missionary. Protection or pull out in prayer? <laughs> <laughs> Protection. Is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one mic? Uchi Wally Wally. <laughs> Love Jones or Jason's Lyric? Ooh, love Jones. Sir or Rumi? Rumi. <laughs> Lisa Bonet or Nia Long? Look at his face. Oh my God, your face. Lisa. Lisa. Bell Hooks or Audre Lord? Ooh. Ugh. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Bell. <laughs> Stressed. Make your girl a plate or have her get her own? Make her a plate. Knuck if you buck or Annie up. Not give you buck. 9-11, inside job or terrorist attack? Uh, inside job. Rihanna or Beyonce? Rihanna. Biggie or Pac? Pac. Erica or Jill? Erica. Brandy or Monica? Brandy. Read a book or watch the movie? Read a book. Sundress or sweatpants? Sweatpants. Toni Morrison or Alice Walker? Damn. Uh... Tony Morrison. W.E.B. Du Bois or what's his face? Oh, shit. I forgot his name. James Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin. SWV or Escape? What? SWV or Escape? Mm, mm, Escape. Flats or drums? Drums. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Travel back in time or travel forward in time? Forward in time. Insecure. Issa or Molly? Molly. Prove your point or pray for peace? (laughs) Mm, pray for peace and finally love and light or money and clits Mm, and clits yes love and light (laughs) you thought about it what's your sign i did think about it (laughs) love and sign dar oh what do you think it is shanti i don't know know. Mm, i'm a gemini Do you wear, there's got to be Scorpio in your chart. Oh, absolutely. I'm a Scorpio moon. Oh, okay. I was like, wait. 
and a cancer rising. Oh God! Dark. As I said, yo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tender ass nigga, yo. You are truly. <laughs> Whoa! All right, thank you so so much. You are so thank you. generous. I hope we can do it again. Please. I hope to see Appreciate you again, you. everyone. Yeah. Please follow him. Look at the description. Take a peek at Bonanonas, and hopefully, you got something from this. I think you're one of the most ethical, honest, dope ass men that's been on this fucking yes thank you for the work that you're doing shout out to you yeah um yeah do you have any anything else you you'd like to say before you go um yeah i hope that folks uh i really just hope that folks ask themselves what it is that they want uh after listening to this conversation and being really clear about that and not being ashamed or afraid to share that with other people i hope that if you uh are polyamorous you want to tap in with us and join our collective a web i'm building a website there will be a website coming soon and also i think our next game night will be more of a an erotic uh sexy after dark game night so uh please read before you come to this one uh <laughs> ciao uh-huh show up like wait what Take right like what why are yeah. your clothes at why are you naked <laughs> come here like it's smell Funny in here. Why well, I like that? that girl. Yeah. Funny in here. No, I heard you read, y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't, cause I I probably would have mm. shied away if I'm mm. being completely honest. So I'm I'm very happy. Everything works out as it should. I was so happy to see you. Yes. Yeah. And we yeah. didn't even say we met in Ghana way before all this super randomly. Shout out to the year of the return. I was like, yo, who are you? You was like, yo, who are you? We was like, all right, let's be friends. And that's how it happened. So, so easy, as it should be. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. All right, mm-hmm. peace. You're worthy peace. so much. <laughs> you are worthy. And with that, we are out. You have just heard an Around the Way Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Way Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good.